Ahoy hoy, you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and this is another episode of Everybody Trades. Thank you all for joining me, and thank you for being patient. I know it's been a couple weeks since we've had an episode of this show, but you know what? Your boy has been busy with Thanksgiving, and also, more importantly, I've got a new show, LockedOnMizzou.com. Check it out if you're a Missouri fan, five days a week. You get partisan Tigers talk, football, basketball, about 20 to 30 minutes every day. Hey, enjoy it. So that's what I've been spending a lot of my time on, but have no fear. I'm still very much interested in the world of economics, human nature, politics, the whole deal. And you know what? Speaking of human nature, one thing that really amazes me the older I get is that people have an absolutely remarkable ability to get used to their circumstances, for better or for worse. And even in cases where their circumstances make absolutely no logical or ethical sense, think Stockholm Syndrome, or think the battered wife syndrome, if you will, well, Even then, people will find ways to sort of get back to normal, if you will, to get back to their previous baseline. Now, if you think about picturing the physical manifestation of this phenomenon, just imagine on a warm day, you jump into a cold body of water. Well, what happens? Initially, your body is shocked, and it's probably taking everything in you to stay in the water. Your brain is going... I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Get me out of the water. But what happens if you stay in the water? If you fight that for a while, or maybe you just don't have a ladder to get out or something. Regardless, if you stay in that water, regardless of the circumstances, eventually your body is going to adjust, and it's going to get used to it. Eventually, the water isn't going to feel cold to you anymore. Now, has the temperature of the water changed, or have you changed? See, the circumstances haven't changed, but your body adjusted. Well, on the mental side, we do very much the exact same thing. And again, I'm talking about sort of the physical manifestation, but as I'm saying it, I'm obviously realizing that mind and body are completely connected. When your physical side is going, ah, I'm cold, obviously your brain is the, is the thing that's firing those synapses, so you can't really take those apart, I guess. But the point I'm really trying to make is, again, getting back to the Stockholm Syndrome idea. It's kind of weird just the tropes that we accept as human beings. Again, as long as it's around for long enough, we'll get used to it. And especially if it's been around, if it's something that's been around before we were born, then we really get used to it. Take my previous episode called Socialism, quote-unquote, Security. Most people in this country, and the people especially on the older generations, get very upset when you talk about taking away Social Security, reforming Social Security, whatever it might be. The point is, is most people, because it came around in the 30s, before most of us were born, and even if you were born, you're probably not old enough to remember the debate surrounding it, so therefore we can't, most of us, imagine life without it, right? So we've gotten used to Social Security. We've been in the water long enough that the water now feels normal to us. 
the Social Security water, that is. Well, similarly, the Department of Education, to people who are my age, if you're in your 30s, your 40s, Department of Education came along in 1979. And therefore, many people my age cannot imagine a world without a Department of Education. And if you suggest that, gosh, maybe we don't need this thing, and in fact, education has gotten worse in America since 1979, people don't really want to hear that because, again, they're used to it. They've gotten used to the water, and now they don't want to get out of the water of the Department of Education. Now, while clearly once people get used to things, in particular huge, massive government programs, I mean, think about it. Name one that's been overturned in the last hundred years. I'm having a tough time with it. I really am. Because once these things get entrenched, they're almost impossible, at least with a majority vote or a majority of representatives, to overturn any of this stuff. That Just the psychology of it doesn't really seem to allow it. And again, just thinking about the psychological dynamic here and how people really are, just thinking about Stockholm Syndrome, for instance. Well, once, again, Stockholm Syndrome, why are people, why are the captives, why are they psychologically afraid to leave? Well, because, again, they've gotten used to being the captors. They're used to the people who are in charge of their lives, essentially. They're used to them, their new lives. That's essentially what they're used to. They're used to them getting their food from them, whatever it is. It's a weird psychological dynamic that doesn't make any logical sense, and yet that's how people actually act in real life. I promise you that when these things are implemented, when they're being discussed, there's a much more robust debate. And there's many, many, many more people who are going, hey, I don't want this. No, I don't want to jump into the cold water, for instance. There's plenty of people who don't want to do that. But unfortunately, what we do in this country is we take the people who don't want to jump into the water and we take a vote. And if the majority of the people or at least the majority of the representatives, to be to put a finer point on it, if those people decide that we all need to get in the water, well, then they're all getting shoved into the water. There is no choice involved. And honestly, we can talk about whether Social Security works or not. By the way, it doesn't. And we can talk about whether the Department of Education works or not. By the way, it doesn't. But the real point is, is even if they did work, it would still be morally wrong, in my humble opinion. See, I think it's, I have this really controversial idea that it's wrong to take things from people without their permission. It's also wrong to force them to do things without their permission, without their consent. Essentially, I'm making a my body, my choice argument, aren't I? Yes, that's what individual rights are all about. You own your property, you own yourself, you own the fruits of your labor, and you own your various other pieces of property that you've either created or traded for. But there's a lot of confusion. You see, when people, there's a lot of confusion with liberty, if you want to call it pure libertarianism, anarchism, whatever you want to call it, there's this idea that, well, if we're all just free to do whatever we want, well, then that's going to lead to chaos. Well, this, here's a good point. 
here's a good time to take a stop, take a pause, and say what freedom is and what it isn't. Because the reality is, while we all have, in my world, we all have individual rights. We all have equal individual rights in that we all own ourselves. That's the starting point. But individualism doesn't mean that you don't have interactions with other human beings. It doesn't mean that you don't heavily rely on human beings in a lot of ways. No, of course, in our society, most of us rely heavily, heavily, heavily on other people, unseen people, every single day of our lives. So the reality is, is while we should, and in many ways, luckily in America, do have individual rights, we aren't living individual lives. We're living collective lives. Almost every piece, no, I can literally say every piece of food that I've consumed this year has been either harvested, slaughtered, created, whatever you want to call it, by some other human being. And in fact, dozens, hundreds, thousands of human beings are are involved in this process. Once you get down to processing, shipping, packaging, handling, Yada, yada, yada. The point is, is even though the irony, I guess, maybe I should say is, in fact, once you give individuals rights, once individuals have rights, again, the, big, the beginning point is they own themselves and therefore they get to do what they want with themselves and their property. The irony is that creates a collective world of people who are working together voluntarily. And yes, families are collective. Cities are collective. Basketball teams, companies, any of this stuff, none of it has anything to do with being anti-individual. If you want to, or even a union, for instance, is absolutely under the umbrella of individualism, right? Because individualism is not about rugged individualism per se it's not about if you if you are a rugged individualist good for you i've got nothing wrong with you because again individual individualism is about zero aggression against other people so that means all right freedom that doesn't mean just wanton do whatever you want absolute chaos because if we all have our individual rights and we all have our individual rights to our property then guess what you can't do? I can't kill you, to put a quite obvious point on it. I can't steal from you. I can't do things to you or your property without your permission. But unfortunately, in our society, that is exactly what taxation is, for instance. That's exactly what debt is. Debt is, in fact, taxation without representation. Because you're printing money, you're borrowing from future unborn generations. Well, clearly they're not represented if they're not alive. So what are we talking about here? Again, taxation without representation. We're taught in public schools. That was the big thing with the Boston Tea Party, right? That really kicked off the American Revolution in many ways. Well, obviously we've gotten used to to taxation without representation because the Federal Reserve, with its money printing, with the Treasury Department, its massive borrowing of money, yeah, that debt, that inflation, that debasement of our money, of our currency, 
that's all taxation without representation. It's fleecing money from the future. Again, why else do you think that younger Americans are getting the short end of the stick on Social Security? They're getting the short end of the stick on everything when it comes to the government. Notice the contrast between that world and the free market world. You see, in the free market, yeah, we'll get used to things like Blockbuster, but then eventually Netflix comes along and we get used to that as well because it's so much better than the previous thing we were used to. Whereas Social Security, again, we're just supposed to be used to that. The Department of Education, we can't possibly do any better. And in fact, there is no real way to compete against Social Security because, again, they don't have customers. They have people who are captives. Again, you're not a free customer base of Social Security. You're a captive. Your money is captive. Let's put it that way. A huge percentage of your labor is being taken from you without your choice. What kind of relationship does that sound like? I'll leave you guys with that thought. I just wanted to say that, once again, I am thankful for you all for listening to this show. So, hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. And I hope, maybe, this gave you a little insight on human nature and what we should look out for as humans, both for better and for worse, and maybe what a little bit of what freedom is and what it isn't. So, until next time... I'm John Miller, and this has been another episode of Everybody Trades.